colored packets. I don't know where. Oh, here they are. Never mind. Here we go. So we are focusing on the confession of Belhar. So you should have a packet that looks something like this with a stained glass window and a picture of Nelson Mandela there in the middle. So we're going to be focusing on Belhar, and this is the newest of our confessions. And you may be wondering, why are we jumping ahead? Why aren't we going in order chronologically through the confessions and creeds? And that, uh, the answer to that will become apparent in a little bit. I, I don't want to give it away too soon. But <coughs> we're focusing on Belhar um, because, and why did Belhar come into uh, our uh, our book of confessions uh, is is uh, gra- it's a great his- history lesson, right? What's been going on in the last forty years in South Africa uh, with apartheid, and how has the church uh, supported apartheid? But then, how has another branch of the church come and denounced apartheid? Right. So there's that tension there. So we're going to be getting into that a little bit later. Um, but before we even get there. I, I wanted to uh, answer some questions from last week. If you were here last week, you remember we talked about the Nicene Apostles and the uh, Creeds and as well as the Scots Confession. And in the Nicene Creed, there is that line, and we believe in the Holy Spirit who, uh, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. Uh, and I had at least three of you come up to me after last, uh, last week to say, what is that about the filioque? Uh, which, if you remember, is just that Latin word here for and the son. Uh, what is it about that that the Orthodox Church does not agree with? Uh, and I wanted to just very quickly address that for, for us all. Uh, the, f- the first is uh, a procedural reason, right? When the Nicene Creed was initially written, right, there was no filioque clause. It did not say and the son. So the whole church gets together at this council in the fourth century and agrees, this is what we believe. And then one of the other arms of the church, the Catholic church, right, the West, says, we're going to change. We're going to add one little word. They'll never notice. Well, they did notice, and it was a big deal, right? This, uh, several centuries later, was one of, the, one of the main reasons behind the schism for the East and the West, so they just said, you did not call us to tell us that we were going to, to even invite us to the table to talk about this change, and we don't agree with it, uh, so we're not going to say the filioque, and that led to the schism for the East, one of the reasons that the schism happened in 1054. So uh, there are also scriptural and theological reasons. Remember, so we're talking about here is the Father, and this is a very quick uh, Trinity lesson, right? We have the Father... We have the Son, and we have the Holy Spirit. So what's the, relation, what's the relationship here between the three? And uh, without the filioque clause, just saying that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father, it's just saying this. So the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father, and the, the Father be, begets the Son. And this relationship is what's, according to the Orthodox, or they would argue that this is what's laid out in Scripture. This is the relationship between the three persons of the Trinity. Uh, And that to say that the Holy Spirit also proceeds from the Son 
is giving additional, uh, is really adding to scriptural revelation. That's what Orthodox would argue. Now Catholics, from whom we inherit this filioque clause, would say that's, that's not true. Of course scripture uh, says that the spirit comes from the son, but the Orthodox would point out, um, like in John 14, that the Father sends the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. And then later on, Jesus says the Holy Spirit will come upon you, not that he is sending the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit has, uh, is not being sent by Jesus directly. And the, the theological reason behind this, this and this, the issue at hand is uh, it collapses the Trinity in a way that the Orthodox feel is not quite right. So uh, it's, we could talk about this really all day. There's so much more to it, but I wanted to, because I had so many people come up and ask me this particular question, I wanted to address it. And then I also got a question on one of these cards here, and if you uh, do have a question uh, that is not answered today, you're reminded that there are green cards up here. Please write them, and I will read them and try to get to them at the top of the next class. So the question from last week was, how many, or why have so many traditions of the church moved away from or disregarded the creeds? And um, I think this, it's, it's, a, it's a complicated question and a complicated answer. Uh, I think many churches, like the Confessing Church, we are a part of the confessing, meaning be, be, believing in the Book of Confessions. We uh, uphold those uh, as part of our church. But many of you in this room may not have known about this uh, a month ago, or 10 years ago, right? At what point do you become knowledgeable in the traditions of the church? I'm still learning about the traditions of our church, and I think we all are. So this, this question, um, I, think we're, I think many of us are trying to move towards, so it's hard to say, why are so many people moving away, right? I don't know that any, anyone is necessarily wholly rooted uh, even though this is our book of confessions, I don't know any one of us could memor- uh, you know, stand here, have this memorized and spouted off. Uh, maybe portions, right? Uh, but maybe not the whole thing. And so, um, but there are some denominations, the Baptists, for example, and if you remember my personal story, I was ordained in the American Baptist tradition uh, where they are, quote, allergic to creeds, um, not because not because they think they're bad, but because they place an emphasis on an individual's, um, uh, the need of the individual and the, the uh, agency of the individual to decide what he or she believes uh, without some government, or not governmental, uh, ecclesial body uh, saying, this is what you should believe. So that's kind of what the Baptists would say. Non-denominational churches, if, if we ask this question, they may give a similar answer but we are a diverse body in Christ, and so I don't know everyone's answer for that, but hope that answers those questions. Okay, and so if we're gonna, let's move to this packet if we can, uh, and as I said again, as I said, I know we had some latecomers, the, ver- the image at the very top is a stained glass window with Nelson Mandela in here, and Nelson Mandela, of course, just passed away a few years ago, uh, was a uh, 
very important figure in the uh, apartheid, anti-apartheid movement of South Africa, which we'll be talking about today. And I actually wanna come back to these first few pages um, to actually, I'm gonna ju- we're gonna jump a- around a little bit. I need you to jump to page five. So the orientation shifts. We are looking at confessional banners. So this is, you all should have the color copies, right? So page six. We saw this Nicene Creed last week, this banner. Seven, Apostles' Creed, and on and on. You have all of the banners that we, as a church, have and have made thanks to the uh, beautiful artistry of some of the ladies of the church. Uh, And so we have a banner for all of these in the back of the sanctuary in the balcony. Except we don't have one yet for Belhar because it was just added in 2016, um, no one's made it. And so uh, something I'd like to try to do is to, today is to say, if we were to make it, hint, we actually are, hint, uh, if we are to make it, what would we include on this banner? So uh, I'll let you look at those, those color images a little later, but I wanna actually give an overview. So I'm gonna jump back here to page four. It's a chart and it's a spreadsheet. So on page four, uh, I went through all the banners this last week to analyze the images that are in each of them. And uh, you'll see here at the top, uh, there's that bold, thick line across. Everything above that, those are the most predominant images. And they're not surprising, right? Every single banner has a cross in it. Whether a big banner or a big cross, excuse me, a big cross, Uh, or a little cross, there's a cross in every single banner. So if we're going to create a Belhar confessional banner, we probably need a cross. But what other images do we need? A lot of, uh, four of the other banners have crowns. Three of them have some sort of a triangle uh, to represent the Trinity. Another three have hands, hand or hands reaching down. Um, That's often a a symbol of God the Father. Then you have sword, flame, fire, chalice, a blue background, right? The newest two confessions, Confession of 67, as well as the brief statement of faith, which we said or will say in service a little later, depending on which service you attend. They have a a blue background to represent the universe, right? This is a space age, so let's put a blue background and think about stars and planets and all that. And then two of them have a Bible. Now, I'll let you read the rest most of the rest of the page there, those are, uh, each of those images only appear once in each of the, uh, in once in all of the banners, like stars and planets, a lamp, a fish, a dove, burning bush, alpha and omega, anchor. But then at the very, very bottom, you'll see images specifically orienting the banner to a historical time, a historical place, or, his, or uh, a denomination. And these are, uh, only appear once, but they have specific reasons that they don't appear again. For example, the Apostles' Creed, the Apostles' Banner, has that somber brown color. Uh, thinking about the monastic movement, right? The clothes that the monks would wear, it's, it's supposed to be somber. Then the Scots' uh, conf- uh, Confession has a blue shield representing Scotland, and on and on, right? Um, with that swastika, which we'll talk about later, right? We have a swastika on one of the banners that's crossed out. Because this, that was Barman, not to be confused with, confused with Belhar, Barman uh, was written in the 1930s in Germany, and it was against Nazism, 
right? And so uh, they wanted to say, this is who we are not, but we are defining ourselves against those people, against the, the Nazis and that regime and that ideology, and so we are not this. So I wanted to lift those up as other um, as images that we see in all the other confessional banners so that we know what might we want to put in our banner if we're making one today. Oh, hint, again, we are making one today. <laughs> so, okay, now I need you to jump to the very front of uh, your packet. And this... Uh, you should have all received last week one of these confessions of Belhar, this packet. If you don't have the, f- the confession in full, it is up here. Uh, we can pass out those copies in a few minutes. It's about five or six pages long. I went through it, and uh, for sake of time, since we only have an hour together, I tried to condense the most important, right? Sometimes they clarify and they add on and they nuance certain things. What is the most important thing for our purposes here this morning, and I put it in a page and a half, and here it is. Uh, So very first page under that uh, image, it says, we believe that Christ's work of reconciliation is made manifest in the church. Okay, so before we read any more, I just want you to point out there on the right column, you see scripture, 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 scripture. Turn the page. Scripture, 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 scripture. Right, so they orient this in the Bible. Is that an image we want to include in our banners? Maybe, maybe not. Okay, so let's go back, and um, how about we, yeah, we have eight tables. So how about um, together, uh, we are going to read portions of this, but how about we go um, table by table. Uh, We'll start over here with our first paragraph about reconciliation. So, we believe that Christ's work of, there we go, is made manifest in the church as a community of believers who have been reconciled with God and with one another. How about we go to the back? That unity is therefore both a gift and an obligation for the church of Jesus Christ that through the working of God's spirit, it is a binding force, yet simultaneously a reality which must be earnestly pursued and sought, one which the people of God must continually be built up to attain. And let's jump over here. That this unity must become visible so that the world may believe that separation Enmity and hatred between people and groups is sin, which Christ has already conquered. And accordingly, that anything which threatens this unity may have no place in the church and must be resisted. Let's pause. We're saying a lot of things here, and we're, we're putting this in our own mouths, not only to proclaim it ourselves, but so that it gets in us in a new way. This, this last paragraph is particularly uh, uh, strong language here that we believe that separation, enmity, and hatred between people and groups is sin, right? They cat- we categorically call it out. So we're gonna actually take, we're gonna take a, a, a pause here and um, t- 
talk about the historical uh, situation going on, and I've lost some of my, oh, maybe they moved, made it over there. Okay, so we've already talked about um, South Africa and apartheid. What do we knew, know about apartheid? A system of racism where? All of South Africa, when? 1970s into the 80s even, yes. Anything else that we know about it? What kind of, I mean, what kind of segregation between? Race. Color and more in general, right? So it was, it was, it was really a racial line between black and white. Uh, and <coughs> what? Oh, 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 Edith, you read my mind. Did you steal my notes? No, they're still here. Okay. So it was, so again, this is separation, racial segregation. That is, as Edith so finally pointed out, supported by one branch of the Dutch Reformed Church. Now, that has another letter in there somewhere. Uh, I'm not sure which. Not uh, as, as up on the acronyms for the Dutch Reformed Churches of South Africa. So, um, the church supported this to the point that they said, this denomination said, uh, oh, you, you're white? Okay, communion's over here for you. Uh, oh, you're black? Okay, come over here. Communion is over here for you. Or they said, you can't worship together at all. There's your church. There's your church. You cannot commingle. You cannot worship together. What might we, we, what might we say is wrong with that? Or do, do we think that's fine? <laughs> do we think it's a, do we think there's a problem there in the church saying that why say it again it's not communion right so this denomination is saying you over here you over here you cannot take communion together communion right we're coming together as one in the unity of Christ but you over there and you over there it's problematic and so what i find so shocking um, and I, I actually think I scared the scaf staff this last week in uh, the offices because I actually screamed loudly when I saw this on the, on the page in Wikipedia that the World Council of Churches said that this group, this denomination is no longer a member after they were upholding this apartheid. I was like, you've got to be kidding. You're, you're kicking out a denomination? Yes, that's what they did because hatred between people and groups is sin. So this other group, another denomination at the time said, you know what you guys are doing is not right. That is sin. We need to be unified. No matter the color of our skin, we are made in the image of God. We are all children of God and we should be together. Maybe we don't hang out after church. Okay, fine. But here together our color, our, our economic class, everything become secondary, tertiary. Primarily, we are children of God. Let us worship together. Let us take communion together. So, with that in mind, how about we continue on reading through the, uh, the I just want to read through the next three sections. Um, and you get off easy back here, the John 13. So, we believe that this unity of the people of God 
must be manifested and be active in a variety of ways. Can we continue over here? That we share one faith, have one calling, are of one soul and one mind. Uh, And how about, how about we all say this one? All together. We believe that we have one God and Father, are filled with one spirit, are baptized with one baptism, eat of one bread, drink of one cup, confess one name, are obedient to one Lord, work for one cause, and share one hope. Okay, so there's a lot going on in this confession of Belhar. Uh, Really historically rooted uh, and not quite the situation we had in the United States, but not too far off, right? There's that old phrase that 11 a.m. on a Sunday morning is the most segregated hour of the week, right? So um, our situation is not all that different uh, in some ways, but very different in others, right? Um, and if you go back, if you go down that second page there, you'll see I have underlined some other key things you may want to look at. Freedom, various languages and cultures, true faith, salt of the earth, light of the world, justice, bread to the hungry, God frees the prisoners, and uh, that last one from James 1.27, that, that for God, pure and undefiled religion is to visit the orphans and widows in their suffering. Okay, so... This is where we are, and the reason that we are uh, jumping forward it's, uh, to this confession rather than going through chronologically is because uh, we are going to try to create our own banners in three different groups and then come back together. And then, I, uh, f- with what we create today, I will get together with a few ladies of the church, including uh, Betsy Smith back there and Judy Douglas, Uh, who created the last nine banners that we have so that we can take all of our ideas here today and make a new banner because nobody has it. I've called everyone. Nobody else has made this banner. We need it because in today's world especially, um, race is still an issue, right? Just look at the Charlottesville uh, protests a few weeks ago, counter-protests. This is still an ongoing issue. So the confessions tell us Who are we in God's kingdom? What do we believe about separation? We believe that it is sin. And so, with that all in mind, realizing this is not just 1983 South Africa, this is 2017 United States, how do we condense this all down into a banner? Before I let you uh, go work on that in your groups, I want to just talk about these banners. So we don't need to look at anyone in particular, but just turn to this colored section here in the middle. And I want to talk about the function of imagery in church, right? I grew up in a Southern Baptist church, nothing but one cross in the very center, and I was led to believe that anything else, stained glass windows or a picture of Jesus even, uh, was idolatry. Well, if we go back to the early church, we remember that there are, um, there's iconography particularly to draw us closer to God, not so that we worship any images, but so that particularly those who are illiterate, which in the early church there was a lot of illiteracy, 
the faithful attenders of the church could look up, see a stained glass window or some other image and be drawn into the story. They couldn't pick up a Bible because nobody had Bibles in that day, the early, early church we're talking about. So they would look at an image and they could be drawn into the story and oh yeah, that's right. I remember when Jesus was born, there was a star in the heaven. Look at that star. That's right, I remember them preaching about that last year. And what does that mean? Maybe that, that God is light for us and God lights our path? I don't know. But the banners function in a similar way for us. Even if all of us in this room may be literate, and I'm not assuming that's necessarily the case, even with this giant packet in front of you uh, with all these words. But these banners are to draw us into the story. What is Belhar all about? What is, why is this one banner that we talked about last week have a tartan on it and is a blue shield? Well, it's Scotland. Why does it have the Bible? Because they thought the Bible was important, right? Um, so, uh, are there any questions about what I've said so far? Ooh, ooh, we've already got a lot. Okay. Great question. So, yeah, so there on page, I think it is page three of your packet, you'll find, if you want to find out more uh, particularly about the, um, the history of Belhar, that's right, that page three is right from the Book of Confessions, um, and it's the Dutch Reformed Church, oh, I probably should have used a different acronym up there, oh, <laughs> so it was the DRMC, that supported apartheid, and the DRC, alphabet soup again this week, um, the DRC that said, no, no, that's not right, and they wrote Confession of Belhar. So it was a a group of pastors uh, and uh, theologians, and Belhar, the word Belhar itself is a little tiny city in uh, South Africa, so that's where they wrote it. So that's where they got together. Uh, How about just one more question? Michael is not, wasn't a very good Baptist. The confession of Michael <laughs> wasn't a good Baptist? Um, I'm not even sure how to answer that. I don't, think th- I don't know if there's a question in there. So how about we go to another question? A general question about the confessions. Hmm. So as we spoke about a little bit last week, uh, uh, and it was very quick, so we, some of us may have missed it, uh, almost all of the creeds and confessions were written in response to something, whether or not, it might have been a heresy, it might have been a political movement that they thought, this is not the gospel, this is not the true church, let's declare what's what we believe to be the true church. Um, so yes, everything, almost all but one of the confessions that we uphold, uh, we'll talk about which one later, uh, are written in response to something. Okay. Can we, can we, yes. So, oh, that's a fabulous question. So the uh, color banners you have in your packets are the standards um, of our denomination, but each 
each church has its own little idiosyncratic take on it, right? Uh, so uh, we, we added gold to the X on the, uh, the swastika for bar- barman, which is beautiful. That's not quite the standard, but we, that's okay. We don't need to do everything uh, to the letter on these. Because it's, it's the idea is that it draws us into the story and whatever color, you know, colors are important, but for some not. So those are the standards, not pictures of ours. Great question. So we have one, two, three of these boards, and these are about the proximate size of uh, banners. So I'm gonna give you uh, 15 minutes, and we're gonna split up into three groups. I wonder how we can best do this. Um, How about, how about, how about all of, say again? Okay, so how about the three tables here come together and work on this, work on this board? And so put your heads together creating a banner. And then these, these three tables here, oh yeah, you get, it, you get your resident artist right here. So these three tables work together. And you can pull the board over if you need the board over here. And then the rest of you, even the new folks. <laughs> Here's a, here is your blank slate for your banner, Confession of Belfort. Yes, take your chair to the place. And you've got about 15 minutes. Okay, now let's come together. Let's get back into our seats and... How about we put all of our, uh, all of our whiteboards up here so we can all see together? Or you know what, better yet, let's put them right up here so they're closer to all of you. Uh, you can't, oh, 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 oh. Thanks. <coughs> okay. Time's up, pens down. Time's up, pens down. That's right. And if you didn't already see it, uh, if, you didn't, if you needed some inspiration, I, I printed up some images this week. <coughs> there we go. Look at that. Okay. So <coughs> I know uh, some groups had some more artists than maybe than others. Maybe, maybe there were more theologians than artists um, in some groups. I'm not sure. But wow, we have quite an array. So how about we start uh, with this one here in the middle? 
I see a big. It's true. That's true. I do. <laughs> we were looking for them last week, and I, I just had to buy one because uh, we didn't have one. We couldn't find them. So I had to. So, um, would you, Kevin, want to explain what's going on in the middle? The hands could be pointing to the Cairo, or they could maybe be wrapped around and making a circle, which would also show community. And, um, and at the bottom is the, the table with the bread and cup and a Bible. And speckled hands to show age, all ages also. Okay. I'm hearing speckled hands for sake of age. Awesome. So the cross, the table... And these are all different colored hands reaching into the cross. Uh, Great. How about this one here on the right? Do we have a representative? I have a question. Why did you pick a red pointer? Uh, (laughs) I was trying to get into it, Michael. Sorry. So, So I'll start in the middle. We, we have the chalice for communion, and it's very important that we had a very broad base to our chalice, and it was embossed with the, with the uh, uh, cross, with the crown. We have God reaching down, which is a blue hand, uh, symbolic of God, and we have a white, black, and brown hand uh, in supporting of the uh, chalice and God reaching down. And in between that is the breaking of the chain which uh, represents the unity and God-breaking of the chain. Uh, Surrounded by that, we have the circles of color, uh, the red, black, gold, green, and blue, which, by the way, are there, but each circle uh, intertwined uh, to represent the unity. Um, There was some, what do I say, explosive marks. What do you call those? at, at points that people wanted brought in, the breaking of the chain was to be dynamic. The hand reaching down should be somewhat embossed, maybe a little gold, uh, and the hands below um, similarly. Um, but that was the basic concept, and we listed those things here. Great. I think Ray is up next to represent group number one over here. Okay, so it's going to seem like we're totally unoriginal now because after looking at these other two, (laughs) it just looks like we borrowed symbols from them. We started here with the flag using those colors, but someone came up with the idea of the hands kind of, you can, we joke that these look like feet, but they're actually hands (laughs) grasping each other in a circle, the the bread, the cross, and the chalice in the middle. (laughs) Each of the hands represents the colors of the flag, and then this unity... um, Breaks the chain, so this is a chain symbolizing the breaking link, and then we have the salt shaker for the salt. Uh, is there anything else I need to point out? We did talk about the Confederate flag being crossed out as well, so no one had that. Um, yeah, so that's what we did. Thank you, Ray. So that's a great question. Uh, I just want to respond to that last, even though you didn't uh, draw it up there. Uh, the Confederate, ba- Confederate, Confederate flag being crossed out. 
Um, now, it, it certainly is possible. There could even be one out there, I don't know. But if you remember, uh, in our own history, there were people on both sides of the aisle for slavery during the Civil War and eras before that. There were many pastors, churches that said, absolutely, look at the Bible. Slavery's all over the place. It is supported. And then other churches came out and said, now, wait a second. That's not what we are called to. Everyone is equal, made in the image of God. Uh, so there was that tension. So I don't, I don't know. We certainly don't have it in our book of confessions. There may be a statement against racism or slavery that pastors and people put out uh, centuries or during the Civil War era. I don't know of it. But if that existed, there certainly could be a banner with a Confederate flag crossed out, representative of slavery, divisiveness, racism. I'm not, it doesn't exist, but I'm just saying, uh, and neither am I suggesting we create it, but what that points to is the historical rootedness of the banners themselves. How, what do, uh, what do they come out of? Uh, And so uh, thank you all for um, participating in this activity. We still have about seven minutes left. I want to take a few questions and then uh, I want to see if we can talk about what are, the, what are the elements that, wow, I didn't even think of that one. How, what, how can we meld these together? Because we need to make one banner, right? So I see just one question up here. That's a fabulous, that's a, yeah, that's a really great uh, thing that we should look into, right? So what is the meaning? So if you look over here, uh, this is the uh, South African flag on its side. I was just trying to get artistic and creative uh, and, and flipped it, added across. But what do these colors mean? Um, great. Are there any other questions before we talk about um, what elements we'd like to draw from each and pull together? Kevin? Something that we forgot was, I think the comment was of a small seed or a plant that exploded into growth. Oh. Symbolized freedom and explosive growth. A small plant. Because of the transition. Yeah. A plant or a straw oh. that was exploding into growth. May I write on this? Yeah. So, a, a s- exploding. Star or seed or plant. Okay. Ooh, I like that. Pastor Dave. Yep. Yeah. So (coughs) there in the bottom right was my own, and this is me. We're not necessarily going this route, right? My own here in the bottom right, um, hands all around the globe. And one of the, uh, talking to Jenny George this week, she said, Oh, we could have different people from the congregation who trace their hands and put them right there up on the, what would that mean? Uh, and, and then here's another one, justice, unity, and reconciliation, right? Triangle, perhaps, I don't Yeah, the tr- Yeah. Say, say that one more time. Oh, British Union flag and Dutch and British flags combined. Ah, okay. So these are the British colors probably, and these are the Dutch. Yeah, okay. So in itself, the colors represent unity, reconciliation, coming together. Oh, oh, okay. 
So maybe an upside down Y is not the best. <laughs> okay. Any, uh, okay, so we've got just about three or four minutes. What are our, f what elements up here do we like? Um, and that as we are creating, I'm gonna put this over here. I love it, but we need a clean board to write on. <laughs> and I really love this. I have to say, I love, this was actually something I wondered about this week. The table at the bottom of it all, right? The, at the table where we are all brought together. This is one of, this is one of my favorite I'm just, I'm not, oh, I, I will be biased. I'm the teacher. I can do what I want, right? Uh, <laughs> this is one of my favorite images. Uh, in addition to the, the, the chains being pulled apart, which I saw in two others, um, beautiful images. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, whiteboard Moretta. Okay, so what are the images? I am not an artist. I can sing. I cannot draw, so you'll have to already forgive me. Um, what are some of the images that we want to pull from all three into one? By the way, three into one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Okay, we've got a cross. Obviously, we've got some kind of a cross. What else? Shout it out. Hands. I'm not going to draw the hands. How do we want to represent the hands? Do we want them? We have this idea of reaching in together. We have this idea of surrounding something. This is the bread and cup. Uh, where is the other one? I like the three reaching hands. down. Say again, Kevin, I'm sorry. This justice, unity, reconciliation. Now, one thing I thought of that nobody else has yet but this which I did not think of, inspired me. I wondered, and I better be careful with this marker, um, I wondered, what would it mean to have hands on either side of these chains, pulling them apart? It would be God's hands, blue hands. Oh, blue hands. One, one, one hand on one ring and one on the other ring in the chain would be God, God's ring. Could be some hands here. Okay, so it could be maybe maybe a hand here. I'm just gonna God's hand here, reaching down, making the reconciliation, the liberation happen. But then here maybe uh, some colored colored hands over here and a different colored hands over here, right? And then maybe maybe we put the uh, bringing in this image over here, which I love. I love the triangle here, but right, we only have one banner. I don't know. Is this where we go? Is it? But what if we had that chalice in the middle? Or here's the table, right? We put the whole thing right here. Put the chains. I'm so sorry, Kevin. This is much better than I could do. We put the we put the we put the chains maybe here around the whole thing, and it's broken right there at the the table. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But we have that. We have that idea, right? We could. We could have the hand coming down. I don't know. Any other thoughts? What are we? What, are the, what do we think of the salt shaker here? We like the salt. We need pepper. I feel like we need pepper too. Right? <laughs> no. Oh, we'd have to have light as well. Yeah, Courtney. Oh. 
So where would that where would that be? So here it would be say again just the it's the the justice unity okay. So I'm just gonna do a something like that with hands hands here okay clasping each other okay. The reason I suggested black, brown, and white is because under the apartheid system, you had three racial groupings, whites, blacks, and colors, which were all the mixed race. Sure. Sure, but... Took the words out of my mouth. Yeah, there's a historic rootedness. So yes, it has both uh, specific proclamation and universal proclamation. So it's both. Um, so we want to make it universal enough to be understood, but also it came from somewhere, right? Just like the uh, Belhar Declaration has a swastika with it crossed out, how do we uh, bring, in, bring in that? So, okay, maybe the black, brown, white hands here, holding on to each other, Small globe with maybe a, a little look towards Africa. Like that, that concept at the bottom of the cross, maybe that's where it came from. Okay. Oh, I like that. Okay. Globe here with a table and then the chains. Yeah. And this is obviously not to scale. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, so are we drawing from... We also have the Cairo here. We're starting to get heavy on yeah, we're getting heavy. That's our, that's our issue. But we've got a table. I like the Bible bread uh, chalice, the chains, the cross, the trinity. We've got... Um, do we have a... Do we have one image at the center of this? Like, I really like this. This group had things at the center of the hands. Is there one image we've seen up here? Salt shaker? Oh, this is a little piece of bread, cross, and a chalice. So it's so that Cairo? Right there? That may be that may be it. Now, um, we've got to go. But colors. This is my last question, and then we can pray and uh, go on to worship. Uh, colors here. Uh, what do we think about incorporating those colors of the flag, and how? Emily, think it's good. Okay. And since we have that emphasis on Africa already, perhaps that historical rootedness is there. Anyone else want to throw in? Uh, having spent a couple of summers in South Africa, I was really impressed with how good-looking people of color are. Okay. Okay. We'll talk about that next week. No, we won't. Okay. Uh, we've got to go. If, if the Spirit speaks to you this week and you say, oh, Pastor Michael, I've got it. We have to have 
that, that plant. Leave out the hands, leave out the Bible. We need a plant instead, something new, new life. If the Spirit speaks to you, please tell me, right? I'm not the only one to whom the Spirit speaks. Uh, and I'm sure the Spirit's speaking to you as well. So the coming days, as you take these packets home, read through them, meditate on them, let me know if, if uh, really the Spirit does speak to you. Before we depart, thank you. Thank you, thank you for your willingness to participate. Try something new today, uh, particularly youth. I thank you for coming down. I know this is not your normally scheduled program, but I appreciate you being here and contributing to it all the same. Let us pray before we go on to worship. Almighty God, we are thankful for the gift of your church, the gift of these creeds and confessions by which we can learn more about our faith. We are, none of us are uh, fully formed. None of us fully know even who we are, let alone who you are. And so we are thankful that the creeds and the confessions draw us in to the journey to learn more about how you have spoken to all of the saints throughout the ages and how you are still speaking even to us. We thank you, almighty God. We pray that all that we have learned today may prove glorifying to you and that may continue with us, not just today, but this week and in our lives, that we may learn that separation is sin and you call us to come together as one to the table. We lift this all up in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and say together...